the Sunday Sermons Podcast. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law are both doctors, and right now they're in Chile, and they are the official doctors for the Atacama Crossing. Has anybody ever heard of this? Me neither until they decided to do this. But this is a 250-kilometer ultra-marathon through one of the hottest and driest places on the planet, okay? 250-kilometer ultra-marathon through a desert. And I'm thinking, why? <laughs> like, why? Uh, it's, it's the same reason, why, why do people climb mountains? Why do people do anything hard? But how many of you have ever done something really, really hard that you had to practice for and work for, and, 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 and finally you got it done? It's great, isn't it? The struggle itself actually becomes a good thing. And whatever is not a good thing about the struggle becomes worth it when the thing that you're fighting for, the thing that you're working for happens. The only time I've ever been part of anything like a marathon so far is I tried a half marathon and I didn't have time to train for it. So I just kind of, my goal was to finish it. And, and I'm embarrassed, but this is the true story. So I actually got lost in the middle. I had to use the bathroom and I had to stop and everybody went ahead of me and they started taking up all the little tables, you know? <laughs> so I ended up going, I think uh, when I told people what the route I ended up taking, I think it was like 17 and a half miles. And I came in, they're putting up the tent, everything's done. And they're like, oh, here comes one more. And they're like, were you, were you in this? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, what, what age group? And I told them, and they said, oh, well, you're the only one, so you get a gold medal. <laughs> so I still have a gold medal for coming in first in my age group in a half marathon. Did not deserve it in the least. But that was a struggle, and all I got out of it was a good story. And, um, but there you go, it's a good story. Here, here's the truth. And this is where we're starting a new series today. This is where we're trying to go. The truth is this. If you really want to accomplish something, you've got to actually train for it. You've got to work at it. You've got to have some intention. You've got to have some focus. And you've got to have a team. You've got to have some people that are coaching you and encouraging you and backing you up and telling you, no, that's not the way. You go this way. You with me? That, that, That we need that. And here at Morrison Hill, we're incredibly intentional about everything that we do because we this is... What we're trying to do is help you become fully devoted, fully equipped followers of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways we do that is we have themes that we cycle back through every year. We're actually combining two for this next season. I just want to give you a heads up if you look online. Healthy relationships is mixing with spiritual disciplines. We do it differently every year. And this year we just really sense that God is calling us more than ever to team up to team up in small groups, to team up as a big group, to team up and make sure that we all have relationships with each other as well as with God. And then working together more than ever to reach out together. And so we're gonna focus on not just going through the spiritual disciplines or friendships, but how do we do all of those things together? Are you with me? Okay, so this this one, you probably saw it on the front of the bulletin already. It's called Peak 
We're going to use a lot of mountains from the Bible and a lot of climbing imagery as we go, kind of like we use fruit and fruit salad. And I hope that that makes a whole lot of sense to you guys as it goes. It, it makes a lot of sense to us. It's not, again, about mountains. It's about the climb and how you need a team for it. How many have ever heard this quote? Uh, Nothing unites like a common blank. I've heard it, common enemy, common goal. Ever, ever heard this one? It's true. When we work together towards something, when we fight together against something or for something, that unites people that otherwise would never even want to be in the same room sometimes. That, that focuses us. So that's, one more time, that's what we're trying to do in this whole thing. And I, I, I'm a spelling person, so I got I to gotta clarify what we're trying to do. We're trying to pique your interest. Okay. We're trying to get you to take a peek. There's words up here. There we go. Let's try this one more time. We're trying to pique your interest in some things that maybe you haven't seen before. We're trying to get you to take a peek into God's word. A lot more than that, actually. What we're really trying to do is help all of us reach our peak. That the best we could possibly be. Exactly what God has in mind for you as an individual, you as a family, you in whatever small group you're part of, us as a church, us as we fit into the global kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're trying to get to the very best we could possibly be. So I hope that makes sense. That's where we're going. That's what the peak series is about. And that's what we're trying to do. There's a graphic for that one too. If we can get a, like one graphic ahead, that, there we go. There it is. Give it up for the logo. I'm just, I'm just joking. You don't have to give it up for the logo. But seriously, here, one more time. I always feel bad at the beginning of all of these, uh, each time we start a new series. I always feel like you're like, oh my gosh, this is the exposition. I'm watching the credits at the beginning of the movie and here, here comes the scroll over the stars. What am I doing? But please, I just wanted you to know where we're going so that we can go. This is the map. This is, this is where we're trying to head. I want to make sure. And we're going to actually go through the scriptures and look at several different mountains that are throughout the scriptures. Uh, we're going to, can we get that one too? I'm sorry if this is not working. There we go. We're going to go through several different spots throughout the whole scriptures. And we're going, there's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. Some of these are going to be really exciting. And some of them, it's going to be like, I know this is hard, but you got to keep going. But that's how the journey works. That's how it, that ha- that's how it happens. So here we are. Ready to start peak. All right. Would you pray with me? And then we'll just jump into God's word together. Father, once again, our our prayer is that you help us reach what you want us to reach. I pray, God, that you will forgive us for settling in any way that we ever, any of us, collectively or individually, if we settle for less than that, God, forgive us and call us into more. I know, God, that you give us the potential to do that. You give us each other. You give us your image inside of us, and you give us your own spirit inside of us. And I just ask, God, please... Help us to renew our passion this morning. Help us to unite more than ever before and help us to reach the peak of what you have for us. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. The first mountain that we're gonna look at today uh, wasn't actually climbed. Um, it, well, it's, what it actually says is the ark came to rest in the mountains 
of Ararat. So actually, the Ararat Mountains are actually a, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's actually a mountain system. And there are volcanoes and glaciers. So the mountain Ararat that you can still go visit in Turkey today, which may or may not still have um, stuff from Noah's Ark on it, is one of many, many mountains. The Bible tells us that it, that it came to rest in the mountains of Ararat, in that system. And I guarantee you, since it's all volcanoes and glaciers, it looks a lot different than it did when Noah got there. Okay, so just just heads up, it looks a lot different. And wherever the ship is, whatever might still be left, it was made of wood. That was a long time ago. So whatever's left, who knows how deep or how burnt up or whatever else it is, just saying. Okay. But here's what here's the image of it. In that story, God saved His people. In that story, God started over. In that story, God rebooted. His plan for humanity. In that story, he decided, even though he specifically said, he literally said in the story, he regretted having made humans in the first place. But he chose to start over instead of give up. And he chose to give Noah and his family that chance. Let me ask you something. Do you think it was a struggle? Yeah. They weren't literally climbing a mountain, but they had to literally build a huge boat bigger than this building with hand tools. Do you know what I'm saying? They had to collect all those animals and then take care of them. Do you know how much poop they had to shovel? Like what in the world? Day after day after day. And the whole experience actually took about a a year, roughly. It was huge. It was a massive undertaking. And we like to, I don't know why. Why do they put Noah's Ark in kids' nurseries? This huge story about like God's judgment and all these people drowned, all the animals drowned. Anyway, I'm just saying. Here, here's where we're starting today. Wherever you're struggling, whatever you're struggling with, you are not alone. The struggle is real. It's part of life. And, and if you're not struggling right now, uh, you might be struggling with guilt that things are going so well for you and the person next to you is having a hard time and you kind of feel guilty. But listen, it's going to switch before too long. So just ride that wave and enjoy it while you got it and comfort them in their pain. And pretty soon they're going to come back around. This is part of life. And, and we suffer for a lot of reasons. Sometimes we deserve it. Sometimes we did something and the natural consequence is suffering. Sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do with us. Sometimes it's all in our head, but how many knows that mental anguish hurts just as much as anything else? Yep. Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's relational, sometimes it's emotional, but the struggle always affects us spiritually. It always affects us deep down inside. It affects our souls and our relationship with God and our sense of identity and who we are. And and one thing that I'm going to remind you of every single time over the next couple of weeks is this. This is just a fact that I think is very relevant. Almost all climbing accidents happen to people when they're alone. They were either foolish enough to go on a climbing expedition all by themselves, or they got separated and the rest of the team didn't wait on them and they couldn't catch up in time, so they were alone. Or they got arrogant and they went out in front. You know what I'm saying? But if you look at the stories of bad climbing accidents, fatal climbing accidents, of people trying to climb mountains together, almost every time the person who got hurt was alone. We're not meant to be alone. 
It's the only thing God ever said was not good about his original creation was man being alone. Jesus himself said, I have said these things to you so that in me, you might have peace. And in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the reason we still tell the story of Noah today is because he's such a good example of what it looks like to embrace a struggle. Uh, the, the, in, uh, the story is in Genesis 6 through 9. And if you haven't read it for a while, or especially if you've never read it, please take some time and go read Genesis chapters 6 through 9. Just sit down and read it. Just read it. Straight out of the book, on your app if you want to, whatever, just read it. It's so good. But chapter 6 is where it starts, and at the end of chapter 6, God has told Noah what he wants and why. And here's what it says. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And so God made it work. God empowered him. God gave him everything that he needed. He made miracles happen. The animals from all over the world don't just show up and get on a boat. Uh, he, he, he worked this whole thing out and he made this happen. And then after the flood and after there's been just water for forever and they've been floating forever, it seems like it's never going to end. Cha- uh, chapter eight begins like this. God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. Again, if you've heard me speak about this recently, you probably heard this, but I'll say it again. In the Bible, that word we translate remember does not mean you go... Oh no, like I forgot an appointment or something. It it means it's time to fulfill the promise. It's time to make it happen. It's like you set up an appointment with somebody and they show up. You remember that it's supposed to happen by actually doing it. Does that make sense? So God didn't go, oh my gosh, Noah and his family, what's happening? Oh, I got to make this flood go down. It was just, it was time. He hadn't forgotten them at all. And he makes the flood go down. Anyhow, God remembered Noah, all the beasts, all the livestock that were with him in the ark. Notice how precise this is. If you have trouble believing this as a literal story, I'd love to talk to you later about that. But at least come this far with me. Notice that the Bible treats it like a literal story. It's not treated like a myth. It's actually giving us dates on a calendar. Just throwing that out. In the seventh month and on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And again, rest is a little misleading. There wasn't any rest. Suddenly they're sitting there. Animals start panicking, I'm sure. Everybody's already restless and like, when do we get out? How many know that the last lap is always the hardest? The championship game is the most is the most stressful. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're working that struggle and, and you finally get to the last little bit, that's the hardest. It's it's also the most inspiring, but also the part where you just like to quit. Like this is so hard. What am I thinking? Why am I running 250 kilometers through a desert? Why? Okay, that's where all that stuff happens. So they're not just resting. But the ark did. And then months go by. Literally more months. It gives us the dates. Several months. Like almost three months roughly. And then finally, it's dry enough for them to go outside. 
They make offerings to God. God speaks to them, renews their covenant, and shows them a rainbow. This is a rainbow that we got to see in Yellowstone National Park. It was so beautiful. It's actually a double one. I don't know if you can see that on there. But, man, it's just so pretty. And this was the first time that God had made this happen, and it was just so beautiful. Well, of course, the struggle just starts over again. If you keep reading chapter 9, Noah suddenly becomes a farmer. He goes from being a carpenter and a boat captain and a zookeeper to being a farmer. He plants a vineyard. And when it's, there's some time goes by, okay? There's a big, a lot of time goes by in this little couple of verses because he not only does that, that all takes a while, but then he makes wine and that has to ferment for a while for its wine. And then he drinks too much of it and he gets drunk. And then his family falls apart. Struggle. Are you with me? Like even in the midst of blessing, even in the midst of now we've started humanity over. We're the chosen people. We're going to get this right this time. God's never going to flood the earth ever again. Let's go. Look at all those animals. We saved them. We got to be part of this whole thing. And then just like disaster. Struggle comes back around. So here's the first of two big ideas that I hope really stick today. I hope we can practice them more than ever before together. First one is this one. We must start over. And I don't just mean one time. I mean over and over again. There's some key moments that all of us have to start over. There's some moments when we start a job that's going to be our career. Even more important than that, there's moments where we marry somebody or where we decide to have children or decide to go ahead and let that child be born or whatever happens. But we decide, I'm going to be a parent. I'm going to parent this person the whole rest of my life. There are some, I'm going to be really good friends with this person. I'm going to join a small group that they keep talking about. And I'm going to do life with some other Christians because I want to reach my peak. I don't want to just settle. There are moments where we make this one-time decision that shapes everything from that point. When we come to Christ, we give our lives to him for the first time. When we repent of our sins, when we're baptized, all of, it's huge. It's big. There are those moments. And absolutely, that's what I'm talking about when I say we've got to start over. But there's also start overs over and over. Noah had to start over to build the ark. He had to start over when the ark landed and they still had three more months to go. He had to start over, I guarantee you, after that whole debacle with his family and him getting drunk and the whole thing. We start over and over and over. Been studying um, some ways to just get better at anything. There's a guy named Steve Falloon. Those of you who like to to read, I recommend his him, uh, Steve Falloon. He's an expert on how people get really good at anything. If you've ever heard the idea of it takes about 10,000 hours to get really, really good. Anybody ever heard that number? Okay, that's Steve Falloon. Okay, that's that guy. That's anybody else is quoting him. That's where he's the one who did that study. Uh, but he also, he said there's four stages that happen that actually get us... Um, We do this over and over again. It gets you to an extraordinary level. 
Okay, doesn't matter what it is. Getting really good at playing a musical instrument, getting really good at playing a sport, getting really good at whatever, okay? First thing is, there's rapid progress. You go from never having tried it to actually, hey, that wasn't too bad. And, and it, you do it a couple more times, you're like, hey, I might even have a knack for this. And, and you get rapid progress. But then instantly you, you get some perceived limits. You're like, well, no, I don't, think, I don't think this instrument makes that note. I don't think the ball actually goes that way. You, you follow me? Like you, you, you hit that wall. And then there's some prolonged frustration where you're just shooting that free throw over and over and missing it over and over and over again. But somehow in that, your brain, your heart, your soul, something forces you to think of a breakthrough, some new way, something you haven't tried before. What if I jump a little higher? What if I flick my wrist more? What if I, and suddenly you get a little breakthrough. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. It's how it works. It's how it works spiritually and how, how it works emotionally, all these ways that we struggle. But then how many know this? What's the next step? It happens again. Okay. So you get that breakthrough and that's your rapid progress. And then you're going to hit another plateau. There's nothing wrong with you. That's how it works. The only way that you're going to fail is if you give up. In that, in that spot of prolonged frustration, when you go, these limits, these perceived limits, that's all there is. They're real for me. I'll never get any better. There's no way this relationship is going to get better. There's no way this whatever is going to get better. That's the only way you're going to fail. But if you stay at it, there's going to be another breakthrough and you get to start over. Steve Falloon, again, he said, if you're going to practice, it's not enough to just practice. You need to practice well. Because otherwise, what you get good at is the wrong way to do it. You know what I'm talking about? If you practice doing the wrong thing, you're going to get really good at the wrong thing. If you practice doing the right thing, you're going to get good at that. So here's the four things you need for that. You need a specific goal. You need intense focus on that goal. You need immediate feedback. What, help me out here. What does that third step require? Other people, right? You gotta have people around. You gotta have a team. You gotta have a coach. You gotta have somebody else working with you or you're not gonna get to that highest peak level ever. Ever seen any Olympic athlete? What, who's on the sideline? Coaches, right? Ever seen any ball team ever? What's, who's on the sideline? Sometimes there's a whole team of coaches, okay? There's a reason for that. It's not just they need money. It's not just they got to feed their family somehow. You can't have a successful team unless the coaches are coaching and the rest of the team is all playing together. That's how it works. We need a specific goal, intense focus, immediate feedback. And the last thing is this, frequent discomfort. We're never going to grow unless we actually get some, unless... We're frustrated. We're never going to reach the destination unless there's that finish line. My golly, I've come 25 miles. I'm going to get that last one done. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? How many, how many have felt this? You know what I'm talking about. 
And it's every area of your life. It's your walk with God. It's your marriage. It's your friendships. It's, it's everything. This is how it works. And let me tell you something. Anybody who tells you any different is lying. Ever see The Princess Bride? I love that movie. I love that in the middle where he says, life is pain, highness. Anyone who says anything less is selling something. And honestly, that's true about Christianity too. Uh, Let me just give you a handy tip. If you hear somebody preaching and they give you something that sounds like a slogan, they're selling something. Okay? If it rhymes or something, and and it's just like, like, here's one, name it and claim it. Now, God gives us so much in prayer. We're talking about that again tonight. Love to have you come. There's so many things. But if, if you see God as a genie in a lamp that you're in control of, boy, are you missing it. Boy, are you missing it. Okay? You, I, I could try and sell you that dream, but it's not going to work for you. Is this making sense? What does work is God joins you in this struggle. Here's what Peter said about false teachers, people that appeal to, but it could be easy if you do it this way. God doesn't actually even care if you sin. Just, it's okay, just ask for forgiveness. Those kind of things. Here's what Peter says about that. He says, those teachers are waterless springs, mist driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh. Those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. And they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. And as we approach the very end, when Jesus comes back, the world will not be destroyed by water this time. It'll be fire. and It'll be totally different and a whole new heaven, a new earth. And that's a whole nother series. Not, we can't go there. But Jesus Christ himself referred to the story of Noah in this way. He said, for as we're in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Feel like life's a struggle right now? Feel like maybe just being an American sometimes is a struggle? Being a Christian in America is a struggle? Just remember, he's coming back, y'all. And while everybody else is, is, is all distracted and just trying to make themselves happy however they can, make sure that you're focused on what we need to be doing, what we need to be doing to prepare and bring as many people as we possibly can with them. Because he is going to come back, and a lot of people are going to be really surprised. We need to make sure that we're ready and that we're bringing as many people as we can with us. In Hebrews, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark. He put in the time. He did the work. He did the struggle. He constructed an ark for saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. 
And again, just like the remember thing, every time I I say this, I say it again because I never know who missed it the last time. I need you to hear this. When the Bible talks about faith, it talks about the kind of faith that inspires you to do something. It's not that you're saved by your works, but real faith, you can tell because you do things differently. If I said, hey, I'd really like to climb a mountain. You know how you'd know if I really want to climb a mountain? You're going to see me climbing a mountain. If I say, hey, I really, I really would like to work out more. You know how you're going to know if I'm really serious about it? You're going to see me at the gym. Does this make sense? That's the kind of thing that God is talking about when he talks about faith. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. But faith, scripturally speaking, always has results. And here's the hope. Here's the dream. I'd like you to say this one out loud with me, if you would. We can start over. We must start over, and we must start over and over and over and over. But the hope, the gospel is we can. God has made it possible for us to do that. He's made it possible for us to start over in a huge, life-shaking, cosmic way. And he's made it possible for us to do it over and over in an ongoing relationship with him and the other believers around us. When we really get this, and as we, is this going to make even more sense as we go? And I know it's not the first time you guys have ever heard these words of wisdom, but just cast in a vision here as we go through over the next weeks. What you're going to see is the secret is not so much the big moment, the one true moment, the one big emotional moment, but it's the habits we create. That's how you actually get there. That first step on the bottom of the mountain, can't get there without that first step. But if that's where it stops, you didn't climb a mountain, you just stomped the ground. This gets you to the top of the mountain. This gets you to the top of the mountain. Are you with me? We got to reject the lies daily. We've got to choose the truth Daily, We've got to daily do the stuff, weekly do the stuff, monthly and yearly do the stuff that we know. And when we do the stuff that we know will work, that's when God will empower us to actually succeed. Peter, again, he writes this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. Notice that Jesus is always the ultimate example of anything he wants us to do. We're not going to be literally crucified, literally die, and come back to life in three days. But baptism and everything that it symbolizes, that's what it's about. We are united with Christ in his death so that we can be united with him in his resurrection. And on the ongoing basis, when we suffer with Christ so that we can celebrate with him, all of those things, that, that's, that unity with Christ, he did it first to show us what it looked like. And look at this. This is so beautiful. Another reference back to Noah. I like this one. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, 
because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Once again, I'm just throwing this out there, the scripture treats it as a true, real, historical story that also means something. But listen to what he says next. Baptism, which corresponds to this, the story of Noah, the flood, God rebooting everything, God starting over. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Again, let me, let me tell you, we just dunk you in the pool, nothing. It's meaningless. But if you said, hey, you know what? I don't even get it. I don't even know why it's important. Why can't I just pray a prayer where I can or whatever? But here's what I know for sure in my heart. I want to start over. I want to die to myself and live to Christ. I want the old me to die and I want a new life to start. And if Jesus said to do it, why am I saying no? And that's why you come and jump in the water and somebody dunks you? Guess what? That's baptism. That's why it matters. It's your faith. It's your faith in Christ that inspires action. It's not the dunking. It's the dunking because Jesus said so. Does that make sense? Just like anything else you do because Jesus said so, that means you actually have faith in Jesus. You do what he said. You don't do what he said not to do. That means you've actually put your faith in Jesus. Ever actually been climbing, had a harness on, rope, gun repelling, anything along those lines? You know what faith is. When you come over the edge and there's somebody at the bottom, you've got faith in that rope and that harness and that person, or you don't. (laughs) You panic and you get back up on the top. Let me tell you, I've been both of those places. I have countless times put my faith in the people and had a really great day. And there was one day, Billy Clark right there can tell you about it. He's one, I, I couldn't handle it. And I, I, got, I had to get pulled back up to the top. That day I did not have faith. All the other days I did. You could tell I had faith because I went on down. I was still scared every time. But it was fun even in the midst of the struggle on the days when I got it and put my faith in somebody and in that equipment. Are we tracking? We're going to wrap this up here. We've got a couple more scriptures and a big challenge, and I hope that you're still with me. James says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's the ultimate peak. We actually look like Jesus. We actually are mature. We actually reach the potential that he put into us. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. See, the secret is not just knowing what's right or wrong. It's doing it, doing the good and avoiding the wrong and doing that over and over and habitually pushing the wrong away again and embracing the right again, forming habits that keeps us there. That's why we have the spiritual disciplines. I'm just going to highlight three today. I know you've heard of these, but they're important to do not only alone, but in small groups and as a big group. One is Bible study. Otherwise, we're all just making it up. Well, why does Jesus think about that? Well, I feel like Jesus is, you know, I think he likes it. Well, I feel like Jesus probably doesn't. Well, who cares what you feel? Look it up. What did Jesus say about it? Did he talk about it? Let's find out. Let's go to Jesus. You study the Bible and you do that alone and you do that together in groups where you can talk about it and ask all your questions and hold each other accountable and you do it in the big group. Is this making sense? And another one is prayer. You got to pray alone. You got to have that intimate time with God, but we also need to pray together. Jesus taught us both ways. And he taught it in ways that happen over and over again. They're the part of the rhythm of our lives. And we need fellowship. How many know you can't do that one alone? Okay, you guys are smart. Good. I knew that already. Just like Noah's family, here's the thing we got to remember. We're in this together. We're doing what God has called us to do. And we're called to do it together. There's a team. And it's going to be a struggle. And that doesn't mean we're... Failing, it means we're doing it. We can either quit or we can dig in even harder. And if we dig in even harder over and over and over again, guess what? We're going to reach that next peak. And then we're going to reach the next one. And eventually we'll get to the summit. Is this making sense? So here we are this morning. As always, we're going to give you a time to start over going to do it just a tiny bit different this morning. I just want to highlight one more time exactly what we're asking you to do. Some people, they just, they're shy or whatever, and they just stay where they're at, and that's, nobody knows what they decided, and that's fine. You can do that. You're comfortable to do that. But some people find it very meaningful to come forward up here, and every time I've ever seen somebody come forward to get prayed for or whatever decision they want to make public, People just come with them, just random people or people, they're friends. And they, if that's meaningful to you, I, we're not going to ask questions. We're not going to say, look at that into the camera. Okay? If that's meaningful to you, that's what we need you to do while you're doing this. If you've never been baptized, and this morning what I said about baptizing, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I love Jesus and I know he's already doing stuff in my life, but my goodness, I never did do that. This is my time. Well, this is, you, you just come forward and we'll walk you through this and we'll end up baptizing you. Are you with me? And if, and if you're somewhere in the middle of all that, you don't want to public, but you'd like to pray with somebody, it's going to be somebody right there by that clock back there. You can just totally off camera, totally nobody knows, but you can have somebody pray with you. But here's what I'm begging every one of you this morning. Start over. Start over. Maybe it's one of those endless start overs. Maybe it's one of the great, great big ones. But as we start this new series, as we start to recommit together, that we're going to actually do whatever it takes to reach our full potential in Christ. 
Do what, it, do what that means to you. Start over right now. Let's stand, let's sing. Get that job done.